Are you aching for a love that will never leave? A presence that will push back the dark? If so, I have good news for you. God's love is relentless, even when your faith isn't. Welcome to the Relentless Podcast, a 15-episode podcast designed to give you a behind-the-scenes look and at the stories and the biblical history that make up the pages of my newest book, Relentless, The Unshakable Presence of a God Who Never Leaves. My goal with this podcast is simple. One, uh, to just make sure you know that you're not alone. And two, to help you discover solid evidence of God's presence in your story, even if your story doesn't look like you thought it would. Uh, today, we are talking about um, chapter four, a pillar of cloud and fire, a God who is with you when you wander. Chapter four in the book, A Relentless. Um, and it's so interesting. When I started outlining this book, it was probably two years ago when I first did the proposal and the outline of everything that I was going to do. Of course, what I thought I would be writing is a little bit different than how it turned out. I, still the same general theme, but, uh, you know, the writing process is interesting because it, uh, you end up going places you never thought you would go, right? So I had a general idea, but the actual adventure looked different than how I had mapped it out. Uh, but what's so interesting to me is uh, I always plan to tell my story of my faith journey. What I didn't expect is that in just the last few weeks leading up to the launch of the book, uh, that the headlines would be filled with stories of people, former pastors, former church leaders, former uh, Christians with big platforms, who now have, uh, have said that they either denounce their faith, that they're not Christians at all, or they have said that they no longer... They're no longer sure that they believe the Christi believe Christianity as they once did, right? And so all these stories, I've been hearing these stories of different Christians who have gone through some of their own difficult experiences and they're now questioning their faith or just abandoning it altogether. And here, <laughs> here the whole story of this book is my journey of my faith being crushed and then God's slow rebuilding of it. Uh, this podcast is not really about to, uh, to argue with these other leaders and where they're at on their faith journey. I trust that God's going to lead them where God's going to lead them. And I have absolute confidence in his faithfulness. But I do find the timing interesting because I can remember... I remember the day that I sat on my deck in my backyard with my husband several years ago. I still can remember where he was sitting, where I was sitting. It was after cancer, after I've come through the third round of cancer, after my treatment had ended. It was during that season when I was trying so hard to come back to life. It took a full two years, by the way, just so you know, a full two years, close to three, for me to get back to some semblance of normal um, physical stamina strength after cancer and treatment. My treatment, although relatively short-lived, was so extensive that it literally took me to the brink of death. 
and uh, and it took me years to come back to life. And even so, even now, I'm probably only at, I don't know, maybe 80% of what I once was. Uh, and yeah, and I don't think I'll ever get beyond this 80% mark. But I remember that day sitting on the deck with my husband. It was taking far longer than I thought to heal and recover. You know, doctors had told me it would take two years to recover. I didn't believe them. <laughs> but what they didn't tell me is that I would never fully recover, that I would always deal with a diminished capacity. Uh, and that day on the deck with my husband, I looked at him in the face and said very simply, I don't know what I believe anymore. I don't know what I believe anymore. I don't know if I believe God is real. And the truth of this, the, the truth of saying that out loud terrified me. It terrified me even more than the prospect of dying. Um, because without hope of a, a real God who had made a way for me to be with him, then dying really was the end. Uh, so this question about the meaning of life, uh, the reality and existence of God and his character this question was huge. And in the middle of my pain, as I was really wrestling through the reality of what my life would look like after almost dying, uh, this wrestling and not knowing the reality of God was absolutely terrifying. And what's even more interesting is there's a very powerful correlation between our lack of understanding and belief in God's presence and affection and then the corresponding depth and capacity of our own presence and affection with others. We are only able to love and be present with people to the extent that we are able to receive and believe God's love and presence with us. Uh, and so my doubt about and my struggle with God's presence and affection with me started then to impact the other relationships in my life. Uh, and for those of you who are there, simply I want to begin by saying I get it. I've been there. Uh, there's no judgment here. However, you can't stop searching. Don't get too comfortable in your doubt. Uh, it's so easy to just get comfortable in the not knowing and not chase after or search after truth. Uh, so what do we do when we're in that wilderness place? This, this chapter uh, talks some about wandering in the wilderness. What do we do in, as we wander? And it's talking about the Israelites when they were between the slavery of Egypt and the promise of the promised land. They were in that in-between place. Uh, and they had had the excitement of God delivering them from Egypt. And then they had this extended period where life was just hard and they weren't sure where they were going, and what God was doing. And while they were in the wilderness, God was still leading them, but there was lots of questions. Uh, uh, but the Bible mentions that God's presence was a pillar of cloud and fire, a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night, and that he was with them every step of the way, even in their questions. And through my journey over the last several years of uh, of wrestling with so many questions about who God is after so many years of cumulative losses, I've had to find some ropes to hang on to in the wilderness uh, because 
the, the untried faith that I had had in the first half of my life, that innocent belief in the goodness of God had been challenged by the intensity and reality of my human suffering. Uh, I had always believed that if I worked hard enough and was good enough, that I could, like a rudder on my life, I could turn my boat any direction I wanted. I just needed to work harder or do the right things. And then I could manipulate the outcome. But so many experiences had taught me otherwise. And so I felt very lost, very much in the wilderness. So here are five ropes that I have learned to hang on to when in the wilderness. And these are these are hard ropes, right? Uh, I'll, I'll start walking through them in just a minute. They're not trite, easy to swallow cliches. They aren't. Uh, these are, um, they just don't land nice and pretty. At the same time, they're solid. These ropes are secure. They are truth. And I would much rather have uh, a hard to swallow truth than a lie that goes down nice and easy. Uh, I would rather have a truth that is difficult to accept uh, than a lie that makes me feel good in the moment but doesn't hold up uh, in the long term. So here are five ropes for you to hang on to when you're into in a wilderness. One, wildernesses are part of the human experience. Uh, they just are. I, I wish that wasn't the case. I wish that wilderness was temporary and that uh, they're relatively short-lived and then will be to the promised land and the rest of life's the promised land. I think part of the Western civilization, American mindset, is that we are owed the promised land right now. And if we just pay enough money or know the right people or do the right work, we're going to have our promised land here. That's not reality. Wilderness... And walking through wildernesses is part of the human experience. It's a guarantee. Uh, and if you haven't had any wildernesses yet, you're going to. If you've had more than one, then welcome to life. This is normal. Uh, it's just a matter of time. And if you are out of one wilderness, you will probably enter another one before long. If you and I live long enough, we'll experience multiple seasons of wilderness. I have walked through multiple. I wouldn't even be able to count them right now at this point in my life. I'm only 48. I'm coming out of the most recent one, and yet I've got another one that I have one foot already in. And I know for a fact it will not be the last. So the first rope to hang on to is just the solid, although slightly painful truth, that wildernesses are part of the human experience. This is normal. So rather than us living in a way that says, well, once I get past this, everything's going to be fine. No, this is normal. This is part of being human. Second rope, just because you feel lost doesn't mean God is. Just because you feel lost doesn't mean God is. He has a vantage point that you and I don't have, even on our best day. Uh, God sees outside the bounds of time, outside of the bounds of pain and circumstance, and ultimately, I have to ask myself, whose vision am I going to trust more, mine or his? Whose perspective am I going to bank on and lean into more, mine or his? Uh, in Relentless, on page 71, uh, I wrote this. 
We need someone who will enter into relationship with us, someone who loves us more than they fear the risk. As science journalist Donna Jackson Nakazawa reports, most psychologists agree that a child has to develop a secure attachment with at least one primary caregiver in order to learn how to effectively regulate her own emotions for the rest of her life, and in order to learn how to become attached in a healthy way in adult relationships. With secure attachments, we're protected. Without them, we're vulnerable, lost in our own backyard. The secret to healing, the reciprocal presence of at least one safe, stable, significant other. Exodus 13.22 says, Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. Just because you and I feel lost doesn't mean God is. And the truth of his presence is that He does not pull away, but he holds his position before and behind, a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. He holds his position and never leaves his place. So as lost as we are, as confused and buried by our wildernesses as we are, he knows exactly where he is and he knows exactly where we are, right next to him. God's presence is where it's always been. He does not move. So that means my lostness is no indicator of God's lostness. He knows exactly where he is. Rope number three, be cautious about accepting directions from someone who doesn't know what it feels like to be lost. I've had to learn the hard way uh, that to go to someone who's never experienced their own doubts and questions and lostness Uh, can be dangerous for those of us who have been in our own wildernesses. There are people who claim to have never, ever struggled. I'm happy for them if that is true. But what I've discovered more often than not is they're projecting a perfection that's not real. I would prefer to learn from and lean into those people who have gone through their own seasons of spiritual lostness their own seasons of being stuck in a wilderness. Those are the ones who, who learned how to bank on God's unflinching presence even when they felt alone. They are the ones that learned to develop spiritual resilience in a place of suffering. Uh, so I am very cautious about accepting directions from people who don't know what it feels like to be lost. The best guides are the ones who have been there and who have found a way out. I've spent a lot of time over the last few years reading the writings of other Jesus-loving men and women who, uh, who have had their own struggles. There's a book list, by the way, in the back of Relentless. I listed some of the most important books that have helped me navigate this, this spiritual, physical, emotional wilderness in my life. And uh, they are men and women who have experienced their own seasons of lostness and found a way out, which is why I trust their voices. The fourth rope to hang on to, remember, even the wisest humans, even the wisest human guides are still, at the end of the day, human. And this follows up to rope number three perfectly. I think we can learn so much from each other. But at the end of the day, you and I both have to remember that 
even the most well-intentioned, wisest human guides are still human. At times they make mistakes. I will, I will say things wrong. I never want to mislead anybody, but I am human. The one that we need to have eyes on most is the pillar of cloud and fire. The one who is with us and knows exactly where we're going, where we've came from, where we're going, and he knows how to get us there. He is the ultimate best guide. And then the fifth rope. Oh, this is, a, this is an important one, all right? So hang on to this. Listen to this. Write it down if you need to. But hold on to this one with both hands. Your home, your promised land, isn't on the other side of this wilderness. Your home, your promised land, is not on the other side of this wilderness. Your home is God himself. It is not, the promised land is not a place up ahead once you resolve the current crisis. Your promised land is God himself. It's his presence right here with you in the middle of the wilderness. That is your promised land. So rather than waiting, waiting for the sweetness up ahead, rather than pining away in this hard moment, thinking that once you get around the corner, everything will be fine, I want you to learn how to hang on to the rope of God's presence right here. He is your promised land. Again, those five ropes are wilderness. Number one, wildernesses are part of the human experience. Number two, just because you feel lost doesn't mean God is. Number three, be cautious about accepting directions from someone who doesn't know what it feels like to be lost. Number four, remember, even the wisest human guides are still, at the end of the day, human. And then five, your home isn't on the other side of this wilderness. Your home is God himself. He is present with you, behind and before, right in the middle of your mess. All right, this is what I want you to do. Altar stone number four. Number four, looking for God's presence in your wilderness. I'm going to finish reading a page in Relentless. This is picking up where I left off on page 71. As lost as you and I feel, God's presence is where it always been, with us, behind and before. The last few years felt like a wilderness to me. And much like the Israelites, I responded to my wilderness with desperation one moment and distance the next. Although I longed to trust God and ached for closeness with him, suffering blinded me like a snowstorm outside my door. Trauma wounded me, altered my ability to attach, made me afraid I'd never find my way back home. Even so, God never left. Even when I doubted his reality, he stood guard behind and before. I saw evidence of him in the authors and scholars who spoke to my broken heart through their words, in the well-worn pages of my Bible that shone with fresh revelation and new light, and in the steadfast friends who made space for my questions without shaming me to silence. Just as a dilapidated house sometimes requires rebuilding, my faith needed a rebuilding. I needed to learn what to let go of and what to hang on to. The process felt a lot like lostness. But at the other side of the wandering, I finally found the rope that would lead me home. There is a light that shines in the darkness, which is only visible there. Barbara Brown Taylor said those words. A woman who, like me, knows a thing or two about wildernesses and wanderings. She's right, you know. There is a special kind of light that shows up only in the dark. And it looks like a pillar of fire. A God who never leaves. 
even when we wonder. I want you to look for him, friends. I want you to look for the light that is only visible in the dark. That is evidence of God's presence with you in the middle of the wilderness, not waiting for you on the other side of it. At the beginning of this chapter, I shared a story about my visit to the Mother Cabrini Shrine in the foothills outside of Denver. There's nothing magical about that place, but simply my time there made space for me to experience God's presence. So I want you this week to figure out what you can do, where you can go to make space to recognize God's presence with you right here, right now, in the middle of your wilderness. He is with you behind and before, and he will not leave. Thank you for joining me today, friends. Life is so much sweeter and much more bearable when we don't have to do it alone. And even better, we have a God who will never leave us. Jesus said, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And I believe him. Now that's something worth living for. Are you aching for a love that will never leave? A presence that will push back the dark? If so, I have good news for you. God's love is relentless, even when your faith isn't. And the circumstances you fear might drown your faith could become the stones giving testimony to it. Join me and let's find evidence of Him together.